to come back. Well, praise the Lord. I want to uh, introduce a couple of people to you. First of all, I wanted to introduce someone that you've heard of, Mary Flynn, and she has two brothers that you will have heard of for sure. U.S. Army Pacific Commander General Charlie Flynn, and uh, he's a four-star general with one of her brothers. And then the other brother is General Michael Flynn, and you've heard of General Michael Flynn. So would you stand up a second, Mary? Just give her a hand for joining us in Moravian Falls today. We appreciate you coming. And um, we bless your family. What a blessing her family is to our nation. And uh, just uh, honored to have you. (laughs) And also now, before I share the word, Zadinka is a true Moravian. And I ask her to come share with us about the Moravian Wells and whatever else is on her heart. So would you welcome Zadinka? Thank you you so much, Pastor David. (laughs) It's a big honor for me to be here and I hope that the Holy Spirit will help you to understand my English because how you can hear, I'm not American. I'm from Czech Republic originally and this is my fifth year here. And I definitely learn English, but in my age it's kind of slowly. it's a, bait, it's a great honor for me to be back here among you to share more of what is burning in my heart. And I love gathering family. I love Moravian Falls and when I'm here, I feel like I'm home. There are only three places in the world where I have experienced the feeling of being home. And it's in my real home in Czech Republic, in Israel, and here at Moravian Falls. For them who don't know me, let me introduce myself a little bit. My name is Denka. I am mom. I'm wife. <laughs> I'm child of God, and I'm cancer survivor. Twelve years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer when I was eight weeks pregnant with my third son. The doctors gave me two choices, my own life or the life of my child. And I voted for a third option, which is God. (laughs) I was healed by God's miracle. I was healed by his wounds and I was washed by his blood from every sickness and sin. This is who I am, and that's it, the God we serve. <laughs> I'm from Czech Republic, from a small town called Moravské Budějovice. I am married to an amazing man of God. His name is Marek. We have been married for 20 years. We have three sons, 
and I have been here in the USA with our boys for five years now. My husband is in Czech Republic and he runs small IT business to support us. I have a beautiful testimony. <laughs> One month ago, I was here in the, uh, at the blood conference and I shared my story with Shirley. <laughs> and she prayed for me with Miss Helen and it was building so much faith and hope in my heart. And here is God's answer to these faithful prayers. God supernaturally opened the borders for my husband and he is coming tomorrow. <laughs> thank you, God. And thank you, ladies, for your faithful prayers. <laughs> we came here because of our sons. They are our mission field. They are going to a Christian school named Comenius School for Creative Leadership. And it is part of Morningstar Fellowship Church in Fort Mill, South Carolina. Let me explain something to you quickly. In the Czech nation, only 20% of population are believers, but only 1% are Protestants. Why is it like that? It is probably to the long period of oppression and tyranny in my nation. For example, the Habsburg Catholic Reformation in the past in the old history and fascism and communism in the modern history. So, we could not longer tolerate what our children were taught in the secular school, Czech school system and how they were treated there. We were looking for some Christian school in Czech and here we are. <laughs> God brought us here to the United States. 5,000 miles away from our previous destination. And I don't have to tell you, it is big sacrifice. Our family, family is living separated from most of the year. And it is not easy, and we are looking for the way to be together. Because we know that God has a purpose for us here. For us as parents, the sacrifice is worth it because our children are growing in Christian community. They are led by leaders who love God. And these leaders, the teachers, are helping my children to build relationship with God and to discover their heavenly gifts. There is always space for the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly how the education should look like. 1 Corinthians 8, 1b says, Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. So, our kids are our first mission field. Our other mission is dig out the rich heritage of my nation that is hidden here in America and bring it back to Czech Republic. Most of you know about Communist School for Creative Leadership, right? Do you know that John Amos Comenius was a Czech teacher and preacher in 17th century? He was the last bishop of the Unity Brethren. Before he became a religious refugee, he is considered 
the father of modern education, and Cominius was inspired by teaching of a Czech reformer named John Huss. He was burned at the stake, stake as a heretic in Constance, the year 1415. You can read these names on the wells hanging on the walls here. These banners are inspired by incredible book called Czech Wells. The author of this book is a friend of mine called David Lola. He has authored several books. He is the founder of the Czech Wells Company, director of the School of Worship, and leader of the prophetic, prophetic eagle movement in Czech Republic. He is a husband and father of seven children, and he is a lumberjack. <laughs> David loves Jesus. He loves the history of the Czech nation. And when I became a Christian, I learned the Christian part of my nation's history. Because this history is so important, the enemy made sure that it was erased from history textbooks in our nation during communism and it's not fully restored yet. This is one of the reasons why we as a parent should pay attention to where and how our children are educated. Denying important pillars in our history is no longer just a communistic agenda, but a global one. In the current era of globalization, governments tend to suppress our identity in God, our national identity, and our history. Education is one of the Czech wells, and it is what brought my family here. Education is the first gateway to influencing future, gener future generations. People who don't know their identity in Christ, people who don't know to live according, how to live according God's words, people who don't have a well-established national identity, and people who cannot learn from the history of their own nation, over time became, become more submissive and apathetic to control and manipulation. It so happened that the wealth of, wealth of education became polluted by the poison of pride and haughtiness. Young people graduating from schools today have big heads and small hearts. Why is this happening? Because the schools gave up Comenius' principle of reform to teach godliness and morals the only thing that has remained is knowledge. Do our family and schools really help children to be prepared for real life, life with God? We all know the right way. And it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Our generation can still learn from God and from our history. 
Our generation can help our children to know the truth, the way, and the life, and history as well. We can start in our families and make small decisions about how to spend our free time with our children and choose carefully which school, which, which school they will attend. These small decisions can change the future of our nation. The greatest revival and breakthroughs have always arisen from the ashes, from the smallest men and from the most remote grain of faith and hope. So far I only mentioned the well of education. Each of the wells deserves to be talked about. When I was asking the Holy Spirit what his message for today, he said to me, it's time for a new reformation. Do you see this need too? I considered Czech wells to be a prophetic revelation and manual for understanding the importance of restoring the unity of churches and national unity. These wells can help clarify how we can return to God's purpose and navigate through a much needed new reformation. The main driving force for the reformation and for unity is true love to Jesus Christ and our neighbor and obedience to God the Father. The Reformation in the 15th and 16th centuries was based on the church and society returning to God's word. The main goal of the Reformation was the renewal of personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Reformers strived for a life according to God's word and following the example of the Lord Jesus and his apostles. The second emphasis of this reformation was the desire to see Holy Spirit operating in the church, the renewal of true spirituality and the manifestation of the supernatural power of God through healing, deliverance and miracles. Back to the wealth of education, when we know our true history, we can learn from it. We can avoid the pitfall in the past and confidently repeat the best parts from our history. From my understanding, the purpose of the new reformation is to stop confusing God's authority in the church with human effort invention and tradition. The new reformation will return the church to being led by Holy Spirit rather than by human power, wealth and statutes. The new reformation will push fear and anxiety out of our lives and our churches and bring unity, joy and peace. Let's not prioritize like the world around us, but rather unconditionally follow what God says. 
Ephesians 4, 1, 3 talk about work in unity. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received by completely humble, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. We have received our identity in Christ. We have received our gifts. Christ in is us. Is in us, sorry. We have become ambassador of the kingdom of heaven here in the earth. We are, we are all children of God. Let us hold fast Christ. Ask for forgiveness daily. Repent daily, stand in love and truth, and be led by Holy Spirit in our prayers and always rejoice. This is the most powerful weapon. The motto of the Moravian Church is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love. I believe that every person, every nation has its own purpose from God. And so every church has its own purpose from God as well. And until his purpose is accomplished, God will keep correcting and educating his people to ultimately fulfill their destiny. Back to the wells. Abraham. He dug well to find water. He opened sources of blessing and gave them names. The second, second generation Isaac, needing water, searched for the sources of blessing. He did not dig new wells, but he rediscovered his father's work. However, he faced a problem. The Philistines, out of anger, had stopped up the well with earth and stones. They wanted to prevent the blessing from entering the world. But Isaac wanted to drink from the same spring as his father, so he began to purify these wells. He gave them names his father had given them, and the enemies wanted to stop him. But Isaac did not give up digging until he gained space, blessing from God, and peace with his enemies. What I want to say is, even through, sorry, even though we are from different nations and different states, we all have history. We all have the wealth of ancient fathers. They have many different names, but the point is, we don't have to dig out new wells. The author of the book, Check Wells, said, I see the wells as a set of values which gave shape to the Reformation and influenced its creators who drew from them and drank, which enabled them to transform the country. 
In the fear of God, I identified the well as follow. The well of truth, the well of holiness, the well of prayer, the well of worship, the well of diligence, the well of God's order, the well of zeal, the well of mercy, the well of mission, the well of prophecy, prophecy, the well of freedom, and the well of education. Through the practice of these values, through the use of them in reality in our lives, families, churches, and society, we can start a new reformation. Are you leader of the church, business, organization? Restore the wealth of zeal. Roman 12a said, if it's too late, do it diligently. If you work in hospital, charity, or retirement home, restore the well of mercy. If you're a singer or serve in worship team, restore the wealth of worship. Do you have a gift of management, leadership, or organization? Restore the wealth of God's order. Or do you feel useless and incapable? Then you can surely cleanse in secret the beautiful wealth of prayer and holiness. All of us together can restore the wealth of mission and reach out to the others to bring them the unique message of the gospel. And finally, we all without exception have a task from the Lord to love and follow the truth which was revealed to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. For the truth of the Lord leads us to the well of freedom. Then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. God is looking for his faithful children. We are not alone. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let me pray the Apostle Paul's prayer. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sadika. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Well, the wells are open. <laughs> you know, no, they are a process, I'm sure, but we thank you. We didn't even know there were Moravian wells. We didn't know they existed. And uh, so we're grateful. I wanted to also, we want to thank all the volunteers. We, last weekend, we had a one new man 
themed conference and uh, so if you volunteered we're just so grateful for your your hard work and uh, the time that you put in and uh, we need to give you a if you volunteer just stand we if you were in any way you volunteered last weekend over or you were a part of that just stand let's give these guys a hand thank you guys god bless you and it was, a, I'll talk more about it, it was an amazing, I think, weekend. You know, yesterday was incredible here. We had a celebration of life, a memorial service for our good friend Steve Evans. He was a part of our congregation, lived in uh, the community. And, uh, but you know how sometimes you go to these, well, you call them funerals. Yesterday was definitely not a funeral. It was a celebration of life. And sometimes you have to try to preach the person. I'm just going, can I be honest? You have to try to preach them into heaven. You know, people will say things like, well, he's in a better place. Well, how do you know he's in a better place? He may not be in a better place, but, you know, we say that to make people feel good. You didn't have to say anything yesterday. You knew Steve was in a better place because of the testimonies of so many people that Steve touched his life and... Um, what it was an, just an honor for me to be a part of that. And we thank God for Steve Evans. He uh, was a man, I think he was one of the sons of Issachar because he's, he was writing, he's a, in the midst of writing a series on the book of Revelation. And uh, I don't know that he finished it or not. I guess we'll have to finish it. But anyway, we, um, he could see what was coming. And he wanted to prepare the church to get the church ready. And uh, so we need to dig into that and and we will but i'm just so grateful for his he was a friend he was an encourager you need all the encouragers you, you can get in this hour you know that don't you you know you need people to encourage you and uh, because yeah, all kinds of things that are happening now you know one thing that happened last week that i was just blown away by we already were approached by this group they're going to come train us in January, uh, and they work with the underground church in Iran. Did you know that's the fastest growing church in the world? And so they're going to come train us along with how they're training the underground church in Iran. And uh, I had no idea that Joel Richardson was the one who actually uh, produced the film Sheep Among Wolves, which is the story, the documentary of the, the story of the church of Iran. And he was here last week. And I thought, you know, only God can put that together. It's the only way you could plan something like that. So I'm really convinced that we are to let those guys train us. And after service, Jerry's going to be outside. We, remember, we're trying to get where everybody lives in the region so we can get you in a small group, a home fellowship. And uh, because we, it's just important that we, that we do that. You know, it was also last week, I have to mention, remember Cameron, he's Iranian. He lives in Moravian Falls, sharing his testimony. Jesus showed up to Cameron, and Cameron told the Lord, I do not believe you are the Son of God, but if you are, I will give you my heart. You know, a lot of people know Jesus as the Son of Man, but they don't know him as a son of God. And, uh, but Jesus convinced Cameron that he was a son of God. And it's an amazing, they have an amazing ministry right now. And uh, you know, and something else I saw, 
If you get a chance, you should watch that video. It's called Sheep Among Wolves. And it's part two that tells you the story of what's happening in the Moravian, I'm sorry, in the Iranian church. And uh, Cameron said that when he gave his life to Jesus, he instantly fell in love with Israel. Remember, he shared that. Well, if you watch that, that uh, video, you'll see that all of the Iranians, when they meet Jesus, they instantly fall in love with Israel. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be something if it's not the American church that makes Israel jealous, but it's the Iranian church. And it could be, you know, that could be just part of God's plan. And, uh, you know, the government wants to wipe Israel off the map. But the people, God's doing something underground that is hidden from the government. And uh, that is going to be a great blessing to the earth as well. Well, I want to share a few things. I want to end up, and I'm just going to do part one this morning. We'll end up over in Psalm 119 in just a moment. But I want to review a couple of things that we spoke of last week. Because I don't want you to forget the things that we talk about here. This is not, you know, this, I'm not a professional. And we're not delivering some professional, you know, speech where you can feel good about yourself. If you feel good about yourself, it's okay. Most of us need to feel bad about ourselves, so we'll repent at first, and then you want to feel good about yourself, I guess. But, you know, I don't want you to forget, we, this, this is a different time in which we live. How many of you know these are extremely dangerous times? They're dangerous. And, you know, that's, I was thinking about some of the scriptures that would confirm that, and I feel like it's almost an understatement when Paul said to the church of Ephesus. He said, we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. How many of you would believe, would admit the days are evil? And then he said to the church of Galatians, he said, commanding them or warning them that they live in this present evil age. And he wanted them to know that. And then back over, and of course, in Ephesians, that's why he said, put on the full armor of God that you can stand in the evil day, and having done all, be able to stand. We want to be those. We want to have a testimony. When it's all said and done, that you were one of those that stood. You know what I'm talking about. Because not everybody is standing. Now, I, I want to just, before we get over to Psalm 119, and we'll look at some things, I want to remind you. We referred to this last week, Revelation chapter 9. There are a couple verses. Look at that real quick, verse 20 and verse 21. They may show it on the screen. But it was speaking of a time prior to when God brings judgment. How many of you know there's coming a day of judgment? For example, the Babylonian system that we see being revived in this hour, one day is going to be thoroughly judged. It's going to be completely judged. But before that day, this Babylonian system is not going to give up. They're not going to back off. They're not going to surrender. They're not going to take a vacation. They're not going to retreat. They're not going to negotiate with you. You can negotiate with the devil all you want to. He's not going to pay you any mind. And Revelation chapter 9 and verse 20 and verse 21. Let me just read that. Is, is it up there? It is. Look at that. And the rest of the men which were not killed by the plagues, 
yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship the devils and idols of gold and brass and stone and such. Now go down to verse 21. The next verse, if you have it. Now look, here's what happens. Neither repented, now this is the King James, but neither did they repent of their murders, their sorceries, their fornication, or most versions would say sexual immorality, or their thefts. We need to understand they are not going to repent. And so we have to stand firm in this hour. The first thing is they will not repent of their murders. You remember last week when we were looking in James chapter 5, and you may want to go back and listen to that, and you can, I would encourage you to do that, but in the first verse 1 through 7, verses 1 through 7, it gives us a picture of this amazing global elite that's going to rise up in the last days. How many of you remember that? How many of you were here? Some of you were here. You don't remember it. It went in one ear and out the other. But it's a picture of what's happening right now. And they're not going to repent of their murders, their genocide. They're not going to back up. So we have to rise up and say no to the works of the enemy. And then secondly, they're not going to repent of their sorceries. How many of you know what the Greek word for sorcery is? Pharmakia. It's where we get the word pharmaceutical. And so the scripture is plain in Revelation. There's going to, they're going to seduce you with this sorcery, and it's going to be a global seduction. And they're not going to back down. They're not going to quit. So the church is going to have to rise up in the midst, and then they're not going to repent of their sexual immorality. I saw the most incredible story this week. It was some girls on a swimming team. I think it was Penn University. And one of the new members of their team, anyway, you know he's, he's of a different breed. And uh, he's not a she. But anyway, he's winning. He's destroying, breaking all the records. And so they're really upset. Somebody's breaking the records. And they're, they're trying to rise up. But they dare not rise up in this hour. Because if they do, they'll probably be thrown out of the university. But anyway, this is where we live we live in a crazy time, sexual immorality. They're not going to repent. And then they're not going to repent of their thefts. So you should go back and read James chapter 5 so you can know a little bit more how to live in this hour. But I want to share with you one thing. Remember in James, it says that you're to be patient, my brethren, until something happens. Do you remember what that is? Do you remember? Be patient. Endure, persevere. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't throw in the towel. How long are you supposed to endure? Jesus said endure to the end, right? Endure all things to the end. But in James it says, persevere until the coming of the Lord. You know, there are three great events in history. In fact, I believe they're the greatest events in all of history. How many of you know what they were? First of all, it was the coming of the Lord. In fact, the Bible says if anybody comes to you and they don't bring the doctrine of Jesus coming in the flesh, don't even receive them. Because he was Emmanuel, God with us. And, you know, we're getting ready to celebrate that season. It is still one of the greatest events in all of human history that Jesus came. 
that God so loved the world. And then the second one, not only did he come, but he came up from the grave. The resurrection. You know, because of the resurrection, everything is different. That's the ultimate game changer. Listen, even if you die, you will not stay dead. Because if you die in Christ Jesus, you're going to one day rise again. And for him to live, we're going to die. Or die, we're going to live in Christ Jesus. So it's the ultimate game changer. And then the third great event is when he comes again. And we got to preach about that. We got to tell people about it. He is going to come. And it's going to all be worth it. I was thinking about Steve Evans. You don't know this man's testimony. He had two wives that died. Two wives. And he endured such heartache. But as I was sharing yesterday, I thought, you know, Steve is probably right now in heaven thinking, man, this was all worth it. All the pain, all the suffering. And he was walking into his inheritance. Now, I want to just review a couple more things about James because I don't want you to forget these things. You don't want to be, you want to be doers of the word and not forgetful hearers. One time I had a vision, and it was just, you know, I don't know, it wasn't an open vision, but anyway, I saw a lot of people going into church on Sundays. Now, this was before COVID. Not as many people go anymore. They, you know, they, they don't know whatever reason, but anyway, this was the days more people were going. A lot of people were going, but few were coming out. And I asked the Lord, what does that mean? He said, a lot of people go to hear the word. But very few actually do what they've heard. And we don't want to be just hearers. We want to be doers. Doers of the word. But anyway, do you remember in James chapter 5, there are two biblical characters that you and I get to identify with in the last days. Now, we get to identify with all of them. You know, in my mind, I'm one of the Davids. And that's my name, but I'm going to be one of the Davids. I know there are Goliaths, and I'm going to not back down. I believe we're to say, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? Who are you to taunt the armies of the living God? You know, I believe we, we should identify with all of them. But in James chapter 5, it mentions two particular. Do you remember who those two biblical characters are? Number one... I'm sorry to say, I wish I didn't have to tell you, but you said it, Job. Some of you are thinking, gee, thank you for this good news. I appreciate that word because you've read the book of Job. But do you remember what he came to, the conclusion? All that he lost, his testimony was, though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. I wonder how much of the American church will have that testimony if they live through what Job lived through. Though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. And then remember he also said, he said, shall I not receive, or if I receive good from the Lord, shall I not receive what? Adversity. You know, God is good all the time. They told us that, remember? God is good all the time. Well, if he's good all the time, that means he's good when things are looking up. And he's also good when things are looking not so up. He's good all the time. And then the second man in James chapter 5 that we're to identify with is who? 
Elijah. Now this is going to this is going to amaze you like it did me because I had no idea. You know, you study these things out. You're always seeing something new. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can read a chapter in the Bible a hundred times, and then the one hundredth and one time that you read it, you see something you never saw before. And that's just the kind of God, you know, I don't think, I mean, we're going to be in awe of who He is. And even in eternity, there's going to be a continual awe. God, you are amazing. God, you're wonderful. I don't think we're ever going to get to the place where, wow, I, I know it all. We're not going to know it all. We're going to get to know more and more. But anyway, remember, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Just say, Elijah had the same nature as me. Say that. That means, the word means, he, effect, he was affected by the same frailties, same infirmities, same evils. Things affected Elijah. He was no superstar. He was a man. He was a regular man. But the Bible says he prayed. And when he prayed, what happened? Stop raining. And then he prayed. And it started raining. Now this is what I learned this week. I did not know it. But remember it says that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? It availeth much. Now if you study this out, effective and fervent doesn't mean exactly what we've been taught that it means. If I ask you, what does that mean? Fervent prayer, what would you say? You'd say passionate, fiery, emotional, you know, you got to be spitting a little bit, you know. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is Elijah found a place for prayer. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have a little fire in your prayers. All of us need fire in our prayers. We need to, you know, get beyond the now I lay me down to sleep prayers. Well, you got to be a little passionate. But that's not what God's listening for. God's looking for the, right, the prayers of a righteous man. Our prayers as we lift them up to Him. And uh, so it doesn't matter, in other words, whether you're... You're feeling that passionate one morning or, you know, you just feel like you don't have the emotion that you need. Just pray. It may just fall out of your mouth, but God can still answer that prayer. Does that make sense? Anyway, I think that defines the uh, Iranian church. As I study more about that, it's an amazing thing. You know, this banner. In this hour, we should remind ourselves of this often. And this is one of those Moravian, you know, it's not the motto, but it's at least part of what they believe. Our lamb has conquered. Let us follow him. And in this hour, we're going to have to remind ourselves that the lamb has conquered. And if you're following the lamb, what does that make you? It makes you more than a conqueror. Because I can tell you, it, there is not a day that goes by that I don't hear stories of Christians going through incredible battles. I want to just take a little survey. How many of you would say right now you're going through a battle of some type? I'd raise your hand. Some type of battle. Yeah, there's a few battles that some of you didn't want to admit it. It's okay whether you admit it or not. Remember Jesus said in this life, 
you will have trouble. But nevertheless, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And we're going to follow him. Let us follow him. Now, I, I just want to begin something this morning. Then we're going to pray over people. I, I just felt it would be a different kind of morning. Been a lot of stuff happening in this place. This last weekend was incredible. A couple weekends before that, the One Blood Revival was amazing. God's doing all kinds of stuff in the midst of us. And I'm just trying to get in on it. I remember my spiritual father said, if you want to be successful in ministry, here's what you do. You find out what God is doing, and you get in on it. And just cooperate. And you'll find that God is doing something pretty successful. And you won't get any of the glory, but you'll give it all to Him. And I thank God for what He's doing among us and what He's going to be doing. I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. I hear testimonies from both sides. They say, don't tell the people the best is yet to come. Well, if I read the book correctly, the best is yet to come. And I believe we're reading the book correctly. Now I want you to go with me over to Psalm 119. And I'm just going to begin some things and then next week we'll finish it up. And... We're going to pray for people. How many of you need a good shot in the arm? Not the one they want to give you. But the one heaven wants to give you. Well, I'm telling you, heaven's shot is a little bit more powerful. A little bit more long-lasting. It actually works. And God, yeah, there are no side effects except it'll affect your spirit, mind, and body. And God's doing that in this hour. Now, I didn't plan on saying that, but it just came out. And some things you got to just let come out. I tell, I tell the Lord all the time. Rodney Howard Brown challenged us. He said, when you go up to preach, always pray. And I, so I pray this. He said, pray, God, I take my tongue out of my head and I put it in my spirit. And then just preach out of the spirit. So anyway, I'm not saying everything you say is on target. But let God be God and let every man be a liar. And just preach the word. You know, Paul said, be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means, don't you? It means you preach when they don't want to hear what you got to say. And preach if they do want to hear. It doesn't matter. Preach the word. Because in America right now, what is most needed is the Word of God. And that's what I want to begin this morning. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 23. Now just stay on, on Psalm 119. But Proverbs 123 says this. I think he'll show it up there. It says, Surely I will pour out my Spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. Look at that again. Now this is a little different than the King James. Turn at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, or upon you, and I will make my words known to you. How many of you believe that Jesus meant what he said when he said, in the last days there will be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit? I believe God's going to pour out his spirit on 
on all that is dead, all that is, you know, looking dry. And it doesn't matter where you live on the earth. There'll be no place in all the earth where there will not be some degree of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. If you read that in context, in what's happening in the book of Habakkuk, which was preached here, I think it was last Sunday. It's one of my favorite books. But if you read it in context, you realize they needed desperately a manifestation of the glory of God because a lot of things were unfolding. The judgments of God were taking place. But there's going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit. Now, when you refer to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, many people think initially it's referring to the gifts of the Spirit. There'll be an increase, you know, of all the gifts. Now, that is, that is true. I'm not saying it's not. But that's not the ultimate. Secondly, there's some that think, well, it's just, it means there's going to be an increase of evangelism. And that's partly true. There will be. Conviction of sin. I'm longing for the day that people line up to get in this place because they're convicted of their sin. And some of them are going to have to crawl to the altar. You know what I mean? That conviction. We need that conviction of sin. You know, we try to convince people that is sin. That doesn't work. But if the Holy Spirit convicts them, that works. And, uh, but what he's speaking about in Proverbs is there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit when the Word of God is made known to you. And I believe we're in the midst of that. You know, way back in the day after I surrendered to the ministry before I met Shirley and she set me in order, I was living in Arkansas and, and uh, I didn't know, you know, I was working at a place called Thorn Crown Chapel. It's a, uh, it was created by Frank Lloyd Wright Anyway, it's a beautiful wood, glass, stone chapel in the Ozark Mountains. And I was, the, um, I was a minister there for a summer. It was the most amazing summer because they would bring tourists to that chapel. On the Gray Line bus tour, they would bring tourists all day. And they would walk down the path, come in that beautiful chapel. It was an amazing chapel. And I was the one to tell them the story. And I would tell them. You know how the, the chapel appeared in the Ozarks. And then I'd always get to share the gospel. And people would get saved. It was the most amazing summer from all over America and many nations. And I would just share the gospel. And, and I'd say, how many of you want Jesus in your heart? And many of them would raise their hands and they had tears in their eyes. And it was an incredible time. But I remember in those days, I, I thought, well, I needed to be an evangelist. I was an evangelist. I just didn't realize it. So I, cre- I printed up some cards. Yeah, I thought, well, if you're going to be an evangelist, you should have a card so you can give it away to somebody. I don't know who would take it. But I called it Revival in the Word Ministries. And nothing ever happened with that card. I still have the cards. I found some of them recently. We were cleaning out stuff. And I said, you know, I wasted that 20 bucks because here are the cards I never gave them away. And then I dawned on me, wait a minute, you were an evangelist. Hundreds and hundreds of people were coming to Jesus. But at the same time, I believe that was a prophetic declaration. That we're going to see a revival of the word again. And God said, when I pour out my spirit on you, I'm going to make my word known to you. 
And I believe we're living in the midst of that. Now, in Revelation chapter 1, don't go there. I'm just going to remind you. Then we're going to go to Psalm 119 and uh, just briefly mention a few things. But in Revelation 1, it says, you know, to his servant, the angel said to John, the servant, he was on the Isle of Patmos, he said, I bear witness to you of all things that he saw and the testimony of Jesus, but ultimately the angel bore witness with the word of God. And we, we need the fresh witness of the word of God. Now I know the kingdom of God is not in word only, but it's in what? It's in power. But we have to preach the word for the power to be available. You need the power of the, the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have to be strong in this hour. Say, I've got to be strong. You know, the generals would tell us, army strong. But I'm telling you, as, a, as maybe one of God's, I don't know, but you're going to have to be strong in the word. Strong in the word. And um, you can't back off the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. You come into the kingdom because you heard the word that you needed a savior. And you were convicted and you responded. You grow in the kingdom by what? By hearing the word of God. It's the only way to increase faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now let's look in uh, Psalm 119. I'm just going to begin with verse 1. It says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Now, throughout Psalm 119, the Word of God is also referred to as the law of God, the statutes of God, the precepts, the testimony, the commandments, and it also refers to them as the judgments. But all of these terms speak of the Word of God. And it says in verse 1 that blessed are those who walk in the law of the Lord. And it goes back to that illustration I shared earlier that many hear the word, but few are doers of the word. We want to be the doers of the word. We look in the word, we see who we are, and then we want, we're changed from glory to glory. But we want to be a people that walk and obey the word of God. That's, that should be one of our testimonies. When it's all said and done, blessed are those, verse 2, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Now, you know, you almost could skip over that. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Did you see that? You can actually have power over temptation. You can overcome the the wiles of the devil. You don't have to fall captive. Jesus overcame, and the overcomer lives inside of you. They says, those who do no inequity, who walk in his ways, not in our own ways. You know, there's our own way, there's our own will. But if you follow his ways and you surrender to his will, then you can walk in those ways. And you discover that in the Word of God. Many people say, how do I know the will of God? Can you tell me the will of God for me? Well, I can tell you what God's Word says. And the Holy Spirit can, can confirm it. But He wants you walking in the will of God. 
He wants you to walk in his ways. How? By walking in the word. And when you walk in the word, you'll just suddenly say, you'll discover, wow, I'm walking in the will of God. I don't know how that happened. It's because you walked in the word of God. You were obedient to keep your precepts. They look in verse 3, they walk in your ways. You've commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Remember the scripture says, he comes to though, he that comes to me must come, you know, in faith. And those who diligently seek after me, and those who do, they're going to find me. And we're going to find him. You know, you're going to find him in this hour like you've never thought you would ever find him in your life. Because he's running after you. I believe that was the song this morning. He's making himself known to his people. We're going to have a greater vision of Jesus than we've ever had in this hour. Because we're living in the days of the revelation. Well, what does that mean? The revealing, the unfolding, the uncovering of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to get to know him like we've always wanted to know him. It's going to happen. He's going to reveal himself. He says, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed. I wonder how many people today are living in shame. I know how many, there are many people living in guilt. And somebody told me one time, you know why everybody feels guilty? Because they're guilty. Everybody is guilty. You've sinned. You've broken. If you broke one law, you've broken it all. So what do you do? Carry your guilt all of your life? You lay it on the cross. He took the guilt. He also took our shame. Many people are ashamed. Maybe we need a challenge this morning. Now, some people will shame you. Maybe you need to break that off. You ever have people say, well, shame on you. You should say, I reject that. I rebuke that. I don't receive that. But I remember a time I was, I was dealing with shame. I, I don't know where it came from. Sometimes it's just a spirit. Just a demonic. It wants you to feel shame. I'm ashamed. You know, whatever. And I went to a conference and they challenged us. They said, okay, everybody bow your head, listen. The Lord's going to tell you something that if you will obey, it will break shame off your life. So anyway, I was gung-ho. I said, sure, I'll do that. I almost wish I hadn't because anyway, when when I asked the Lord, okay, Lord, show me what I could do to break shame off my life, I saw a vision in my mind of me going to the chapel at the university, it is a college where I live, handing out gospel tracts in front of the chapel as the students and the professors go into chapel. And I thought, now Lord, if I do that, they're going to think, first of all, that I'm a nut. They're going to think I've lost my mind. And besides, they're going into chapel. You know, I mean, Lord, they're probably seeking you anyway. They don't need me to stand there passing out a track. But the Lord wouldn't let me. He said, are you ashamed of me? He said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you when you stand before my Father in heaven. So I had no choice. So I went and bought me some gospel tracts. And I was scared. You know, I'm a young pastor in that town. I'm trying to gain a reputation of respect. You know, somebody might like me. 
You know, my church is in a little bitty in the middle of nowhere. It's before Shirley showed up. There were no girls in the whole county. I thought, God, if I do that, I definitely will never find a wife. They'll think I'm a nut. But anyway, you know, my church, you couldn't even find it. It was off down an abandoned road. It was abandoned. Well, it was abandoned coal, coal mills, coal mines. Anyway, in West Virginia, it was God forsaken. That's what I told the Lord. I said, I said, God, you've forsaken me sending me here. And now you want me to embarrass myself. But I'm going to do it. So anyway, I went and bought me some tracts. And I went and stood right in front of the door. And as the professors, you know, they come in dressing like professors. And, you know, they, and the students come in and I'm passing them out, you know, to receive Jesus. And I just feel so stupid. But then toward the end, I said, yeah, this is not too bad. This ain't bad. So I got a little cocky. I'd pass them behind my back and stuff. And, and, you know, throw anyway, I got through that. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, this day's over. But something happened. The shame was gone. I said, God, the shame is gone. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. And you're not going to be ashamed of me. And I've always wondered, well, you know, there'll probably be a day when I get to heaven, somebody's going to walk up to me and say, you know when you gave me that track going into chapel, I was lost, I was seeking Jesus, and I read that track and gave my life to Jesus. Thank you for giving me that track. But anyway, that's what the scripture says. We would not be ashamed. You should ask the Lord, Lord, what can I do? If, if you're dealing with shame, Lord, what can I do to break off shame? But don't pray it unless you mean it. Because he might give you something to do. When I look into all your commandments, I will praise you with, with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments. You know, the judgments of God, if you haven't noticed, they're going to be revealed as well in this hour. How many of you know that? I was thinking about Steve Evans, and I preached a message. I shared this yesterday. And Steve would often text me and make a comment, and always an encouraging word. And he invited me to lunch one Monday, and he had the message that I preached the day before. He had already put it on a little card, the points, and put it on his refrigerator. He said, look, I want you to know I, I listened yesterday, and I hear the points. And it was out of Romans chapter 1, where the wrath of God is being revealed. Now, in that context, it's not the wrath to come. It's the wrath that's revealed now upon those who are living unrighteously. You know, sometimes they say, you know, you don't want to judge anybody. If they're outside of Christ, they're already judged the message is to get them out of the judgment. You want to break up that judgment so they'll find salvation. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came that the condemned would be set free. But anyway, I was thinking about those points. And you can read that. But Steve had a real understanding of the judgments that were to come. And he lived his life, you know, sharing with people that there's a, there's a remedy to the judgment. And it's found in Romans 1, but it's found all through the Bible. I can tell you the remedy to the coming judgments. His name is Jesus. 
It's the only remedy I know. You can clean yourself up all you want. The only way you're going to be clean is by going to the cross and being washed by the blood of the Lamb. Anyway, then I'll not be ashamed, your righteous judgments, and I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. That's probably a good prayer. You know, if David would pray something like that, that should encourage you. If you have you ever said, God, where are you? Have you forsaken me? Well, that's exactly what David prayed. Oh, God, please do not forsake me utterly. And then verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And then this is a great scripture. With my whole heart I've sought you. Let me not wonder. Verse 11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not what? That I might not sin against you. Somebody says, well, I, I just have to do that. No, you don't have to do that. The word of God hidden in your heart, not just something you heard, but it's hidden inside of you. The word that you're standing on gives you power over sin. The blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus breaks, you know, the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin. And one day, even the presence of sin. I'll never forget Josh, our son, coming to us. And he was at that age he could under, started understanding of the wickedness of the world. And he came to us. He said, I'll be so glad when there's no more sin in the world. Remember something? I don't remember the exact words. But there won't be any more sin, Dad. Well, there's going to be no more sin one day. But there didn't have to be any sin in you this day. He said, walk, I, that I might... Hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God is powerful. That's why Jesus, when he was tempted, what did he say? When the devil tempted him, what did he say? It is written. And you say the same thing. It is written. And it's not just written in a book. It's written in my heart. The law of God is written in our heart. That I might not sin against you. It goes on in verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Teach me, O God. Teach me your statutes. Look down in verse 16. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. How, you know, we said earlier how you can be successful. Find out what God is doing and get in on it. But another way to be successful found over in Joshua is meditate upon the Word of God day and night. And so your way will be successful. You'll find good success by meditating. What does meditate mean? Think about it over and over again. The Word of God. You know, last week, Joel said, don't open up your computer to whatever, you know, whoever's whatever the latest word is. Go to the Word of God in the morning. And then meditate, even if it's one verse. Just meditate. Think about it. If you say, well, I forget to think about it, write yourself a card. Put it in your pocket. Take the card out. You know, we used to do that. They used to tell us to do that kind of stuff. They don't tell us to do it anymore. So people have forgotten. No, you don't want to forget God's Word. You're going to need to be reminded. And He'll remind you. You put it in here. He'll... he'll He'll get it. He'll take it out when you need it. He'll bring it to your memory. I'm amazed at how God brings scriptures to my memory. Are you the same way? 
I can be in the midst of a situation and a scripture will pop up. But what do you think that's for? Your, your entertainment? No, it's your survival, probably. It's your sanity. We overcome by the word of God. But anyway, it's pretty good. Look in verse 17. I'll just do a few more. Deal bountifully with your servant. That I may live and keep your word. It goes over and over and over. And then he says, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. That should be one of our prayers. God, open my eyes. If God doesn't open our eyes, our eyes won't be open. How many of you know that? Do you remember Jesus said, those who say they see are those who are blind. But those who confess that they are blind are the ones who will see. The church of Laodicea, what was their confession? I'm rich, man, I can see. I'm... And Jesus said, no, you, you're miserable, wretched, blind, and naked. Repent. You know, just confess. God, I, I'll never see unless you open my eyes. God, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your law. And God will do it because he'll be faithful. And then we'll just end it up. You can read all the rest, but we'll pick up next week in verse 25. But look in verse 24. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselor. You're my counselor. I remember, what was I, a junior in high school in Louisiana, and someone died. I remember that. I don't remember who it was, but I remember there was a lot of sadness, and students were looking for answers. And somebody said, Miss Griffith, that was her name. She was a science teacher. And they said, you should go listen to Miss Griffith, because whatever Miss Griffith says, you can count on it. And she can help you. So I had Mrs. Griffith for one of my classes, and she was trying to explain. And I just remember the comfort that came. Whatever she said, I don't remember, but whatever she said, it's like it brought peace and comfort. Well, we have someone better than Miss Griffith. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. And he's not just coming, he has come. And he's with us. And his word brings comfort. I want to challenge you. Some of you are thinking, what are you trying to say this morning? Sometimes I wonder, what am I trying to say? And my, my, I ended up by saying, well, God, whatever I'm trying to say, I sure hope you had something to say. And he does. And that is, I will pour out my spirit upon you and make my word known to you. And that's my prayer for you, for those of us living in this incredible hour. So let me just pray. I'm going to ask God just to pour out his spirit on us and fresh outpouring. And he might surprise us. This outpouring may manifest in many ways. But we're asking specifically for a fresh understanding, revelation, hunger, and to open our eyes. So, Lord, we just pray right now, Lord. We just thank you for your promise. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23, Lord, you said, I will pour out my spirit upon you and make my words known to you. And, Lord, we ask you for that. Lord, I ask you, God, all those years ago, 
when I printed up those cards, Revival of the Word Ministries. Lord, let this be the hour when there's a revival of the Word of God in the land. There'll be a fresh outpouring and an opening, Lord, revealing of the Word. And we know the Word ultimately is a person. The one who dwelt among us. That Jesus is the Word. He was and He is. And He dwelt among us. And we thank You, Lord. And God, we ask You, Lord, just open our eyes. We confess our blindness, Lord. We confess. How many of you would agree? We can see nothing unless You show it to us. Unless You open our eyes. God, unless You open our ears. We ask for ears to hear and eyes to see the things that you want us to see and the things you want us to hear. Lord, I just pray for that. I pray all across this nation and in the nations for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit that would bring a revival, a refreshing of the Word of God all across the land. Lord, we don't have the answers. But you have them, Lord. And I believe that every question that man has is somehow answered in the Word of God. And I know, Lord, that you're going to do that. You're going to raise up people that it will have a word in season all over the earth. And it will not be their opinions. It will be, thus saith the Lord. It will be exactly what needs to be spoken and needs to be heard. But Lord, I ask you to encourage the people this morning. Build them up. There are some that are in great battles. They're growing weary. But I want to speak over them. Do not grow weary in well-doing. For if you do not faint, you will reap what you've sown. And I thank you, Lord, there will be a harvest. And I bless the people. Lord, I break off. How many of you have dealt with shame? You feel shame. Just anybody? Just we want to break that off. It is a spirit. It's a spirit of shame. I want to break it off. The Lord tells you to do something. You know faith is some action. Then you obey the Lord. But Lord, I want to pray right now. Lord, you said whoever comes to me will not be ashamed. So we break off the spirit of shame. Lord, we thank you. There's forgiveness there's restoration at the cross and if we confess our sin you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and I pray that over the people Lord now Lord as we see what's happening what happened in Kentucky the truth of the matter is it's really happening all over the nation it's just maybe not as visible and there's a lot of despair and a lot of hopelessness and a lot of questions hurt pain division strife destruction Lord, you told us the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we look around the landscape, and that's what we see. From the west to the east to the north to the south, we see destruction. 
And God, we want to confess again and acknowledge that you're our only hope, that you are our Savior. No man will save us. No political party will save us. It's only the living God, and that's in whom we cry out this morning, Lord. God, would you touch our nation again? Would you touch America? God, thank you for all those you put in place right now that are on the front line and they're in the battles and they are standing for the truth and for righteousness. Lord, equip them, strengthen them. But Lord, we know that the church, they must stand and we pray, Lord, that we'll be those that, that you count worthy of, that we've done all we can do in this hour, Lord. So we cry out to you in our, the midst of our despair and we say, God, save us. And you said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we're asking for salvation in the name of our God. And I thank you for it. But just before we go, just want to give someone opportunity, those that are watching online, Maybe someone in this room, you've never personally received Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior. We want to lead you in a prayer. And um, you can't just pray what a man prays. You've got to mean it in your heart. But the first thing, you have to admit your need. You have to just confess, I need God. I can't save myself. I can't fix myself. I need a Savior. Then you believe that Savior is Jesus that he lived, that he died, and he rose from the dead. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Then you confess, you repent. It means you acknowledge your sin and you turn. You're willing to turn. And God helps you repent. He, he gives you help. It's a gift. There's a gift of repentance. And so you make that turn, but God gives you the grace and the help and he said, whoever calls will be saved. And, and there's forgiveness of sin when there's confession. So just pray something like this. Say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he lived, that he died, and he rose from the dead. I confess him with my mouth, and I believe in him in my heart. I confess my sin before you. And I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes me and makes me white as snow. And I thank you that if I call upon you, I will be saved. And I call upon you now. And I receive you by faith into my heart. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of God. For the rest of my life. That I would live for you. And I thank you Jesus. In Jesus name. Amen.